There's a couple of axioms that we found that are almost universal. They are the things that prevent people from building a lot of wealth as well. Most of these people didn't plant a lot of different kinds of seeds. They planted one seed. They found a niche and they went an inch wide and they went a mile deep and they stuck with it. We see people when they start building wealth and they start having money to be able to invest in different things. It's so easy to get that squirrel syndrome. Every single one of these guys, I think except one, they found their lane and that was it. I think there's so much value for people as they start to build wealth of figuring out what that lane is and then just, just being laser focused on it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. We're here live in Lake Tahoe at the GoBundance 2023 Winter Mastermind. And I got two legends in the room, two GoBundance OGs, guys that have been around for a long time, both Cali guys. This is a local event for you. Daniel Del Real and Aaron West. Welcome, Thanks guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Let's dance. Yeah. Well, we got we, we to gotta address the elephant in the room of the third guest that we have today. And that would be whatever the hell <laughs> is on Daniel's lip. It's sort of porn star my, meets 70s. My alter ego, fancy. man. It's my alter ego. Can I give it a name? What is it? Go for it. Hank Pounder. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That is... I'm gonna I'm gonna call him that I tonight. I hope my wife never on the seventh. No, on the show tonight. Like Hank Pounder. Pounder. Yeah. I'll be All like, right. give me I'm Aaron West, and this is my my uh, partner in crime, Hank Pounder. Uh, man, it's perfect, right? Look at him. Nobody's helping me out. Hank my Pounder? wife's been like asking me to shave this thing. And off. you know, it's but. funny too because every November I grow a full beard. I go like 45 days without without shaving, and at the end of it, I always play this game of doing all these different you know, shaving and all yeah, that. And sure. it ends up with this big, hairy, huge mustache that is like, it's a man mustache. I'm like this one I know what that right here. No, I know. And, and I was like, man, I might keep this mustache. And my wife said no. And I was going to do it. And then I realized I can't show up to a, an event and both of us having sporting these new mustaches yeah. that I was like, no, nah, I got to shave. So when I shaved it off. When he smiles, it looks like somebody with hairy legs did a split and <laughs> stuck Anyway, welcome, guys. I'm going through a midlife crisis. Yes, <laughs> that's a hell of a crisis. It's a crisis for all of us. We all have to endure it. Usually, it's an inward. God, yeah. I'm glad inward you get thing. paid the big bucks. <laughs> all right, we're gonna dive in. You guys uh, have been doing this segment for is it two years now? Going on three, almost three, three years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. three years. So seven to eight. For those that aren't in GoBundance, this is an incredible segment. One of the ones that I think. When people ask me, like, tell me a little bit about some of the stuff in GoBundance. You know, you bring up, you know, pods and all that. But then it's like, the one thing you got to do is check out seven to eight. Mm -hmm. Now, for those that aren't sure, seven to eight is going from seven figures to eight figures. So these two gentlemen who have had wild success themselves interview eight figure or nine figure millionaires on, you know, what's the leap look like? Mindset, uh, uh, asset allocation. It's in, in depth. That's why we only have it up for two days, right? Because they give yeah. so much information. Whose idea was this? You know, it, it's funny because we collaborate so much and it was the pandemic had started and we were just kind of talking about GoBundance in general and some of the things that we thought were there early that were kind of missing. And we had done an interview with Daniel amongst um, just our NorCal group of people. And it was kind of a 728 format where he went through his whole financial statement. He talked about what he's doing to prepare for the pandemic and then what his journey was. And when we finished with it, it was just like, man, this is magic. This is what GoBundance needs is to see 
what the end of the journey looks like or what the next level is. Because, you know, truthfully, the majority of people in GoBundance are, you know, in that one to three million dollar price range or net worth range. Yep, yep. And but there's so much value in the story of what it looks like to get there. So it, it kind of came about as a collaboration. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of that too is we, we, get, we get sold the story that um, it's, it sounds different than what it feels like. And you're like, okay, look, the goal is if I'm a millionaire, like, or three, like you're worth three, four million bucks, and you're like, man, I thought it'd feel easier. Like, what's this responsibility? And it doesn't feel like you haven't realized wealth yet. So. Um, having the conversations with the guys that are in the fight now to, to see if you could identify to where they're at because there's a portion, there's a time where eventually like money has momentum to it and it does get it easier, but it's not that three, four, five million. It's that elevation game and, and the fight and the leveling up of assets and, and having those connection points with the GoBundance guys mm -hmm. to say, look, there's, there's a, also there's, you know, we were talking about like, Osborne wrote the book, The Wealth Can't Wait, right? Or like delayed gratification. A man's wealth is his ability to, to, to go without and waiting for that success or those capital events. But there's also um, wealth is also worth the weight it bears on you to carry it and manage it. And there's a lot of guys out there that just don't address that elephant, that mm. there's a responsibility that we build around us that comes with wealth and the seven to eight show was that you're like, man, I yeah. get it. Like that's where I'm at. And I think that it's important that people understand that we live in a society where it's, you know, all of a sudden you see the superstar and they're like, Oh, I want to be Steph Curry. And they don't realize what they had to do go through to achieve that wealth. And, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about the story is that it is a hockey stick. It is a whole lot of just compounding work, compounding work, compounding work. And then at some point, almost every single guy achieves mastery in that whatever field that they're in. And with that mastery comes a creativity and then you're rewarded for it. So I we tangent a little bit, but I think, I think seeing the seeing the grind before, you know, it's not sexy until it's sexy and everybody just sees the sexy. So the show allows people to see what that that long, not sexy looks like to get to that point. Essentially, that's going to be on my gravestone. Long and not sexy. Long and not yeah. sexy. Um, <laughs> not so much long. <laughs> yeah, goodbye. I meant the or, lifespan. Oh, lifespan. Okay, sexy. Yeah, he, in the he lived long and not sexy. You said responsibility of wealth. Can you dive into that a little bit? What do you mean by the responsibility of wealth? Yeah, so I think we, we you know, wealth has a weight to it, right? Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's worth the weight of patiently like that's what we're trying to get in go abundance is like how do we keep the guy that's worth three four five million to be patiently disciplined and continue that without chasing the next best thing because they might be very very close to mastery and sometimes they're carrying this weight of wealth that like they're trying to like get the breath of like hey come on i want to realize this 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 wealth so and i don't think there's enough conversations that go around that because when we build an economy around us that relies on us uh, there's a lot of work as entrepreneurs that we have to do to strengthen the back so we could carry the responsibility of that wealth that's going to have. And, and when you think like delayed gratification is a measurement of wealth and that weight game is, is a measurement of man's wealth, but yet at the same time, there's that responsibility of that weight mm. spelled differently sure. that it's going to bear on you. So 
um, having those conversations so that way guys can stay and gals can stay patiently disciplined to um, have it feel the gravitational pull of the, of the wealth, but then eventually it becomes magnetic and then it just pulls you towards it. We're going to get into that where you guys see those trends happening at seven to eight, but give me a backstory into the, pre- not a backstory, but a background view into the prep work. Because when you guys, it's not as if your guest shows up on a Zoom call or on stage and, you know, yeah, just bring your one sheet, right? Like it, it's not that. I mean, you're plotting decades, <laughs> decades worth of net worth. So what's the prep look like? You get a guest that agrees, one of the GoBros agrees, you know, 10, 20, 50, 80, $100 million in net worth to go on this. What's the work you all put in the background? So at the front end, and it's it's work work from both parties. Right. And so we'll send them uh, a, a spreadsheet basically for them to go back as far as they can with their income and their net worth, as well as their, their balance sheet, their financial statement. So they fill all of that out. We'll take a look at that. So we just kind of get a feel of what their journey looked like time-wise and then where they're at today. And then we'll do a pre-call of usually about two, an hour and a half to two hours of just for a couple of reasons. For a lot of guys, being transparent with their story is something they're just not used to doing because you know, the whale that comes to the surface gets harpooned. Sure. And so they, they've never really told their story before. Yeah. So what we do is we... We walk them through their journey, and then you know, typically Daniel, he's the he's the analytical guru, he's the red box guy. He's the red box guy. Right. He'll come through and put together show notes, and then we'll both listen to the show again. I mean, listen to the interview again, add to the show notes, so that we can make it as organic as possible, and just allow them. We don't want them to have any notes. They just are telling their story, and then we have points to where if they said something that's amazing and they skip over it this time, we can pull back around and really pull that nugget out of them. I feel like it's a therapy session because we're what it is is we've had – You mean in advance or the show itself? The show in itself because it. the, the thing is, is it, it forces you – it forces an entrepreneur to hold space for themselves and really honor the person – that got them to where they're at. And there's a, there's a time and an involvement where they have to put that person to rest and then move on to the next best version of themselves. So we're asking them to tap back into that person and give us the lessons and thought process that they were going through when they were still manifesting that success. And we've had tears. We've had breakthroughs. We've had things. How many times have we heard, I've never shared this with anybody, not even my wife. And here they are, like, sharing it with us. And um, and our job is to listen. Our job is to ask questions to get to that genius and then honor that story the best we can within an hour and then give it as a gift to the GoBundance guys and gals that are in in the room listening to that. And like I said, it's available for 48 hours because we want full transparency. That's a high bar. So do you, do you, transparency, especially, I know of a few, won't name names that are significantly wealthy from a net worth perspective. Um, and they are pretty, you know, you've never heard of them, never will hear of them. They just sort of are in the background killing it. So do you get active or passive resistance when sort of pushing folks along or the, the, the men that you've interviewed so far, do you experience a lot of resistance? Is it, you know, hurting cats to get them to give you the data, give you the stats, or is it pretty like, no, I know what I'm doing. Here's everything. I'm kind of curious what that looks like. 
Yeah, well, I, I think I think initially it, it is because it takes time for them to put it together, yeah. you know, and, and and reflect back on what you've been through. So, uh, and, and that's the beauty of the show is that, you know, you can't. You're not just gonna. Somebody also is willing. That's what is willing to do the work and then sit on that counseling session with us. You know, when you're done with a counseling session, you're spent. I'm I'm assuming these guys are spent after our pre-call. Um, so it, it is a labor of love. And you could say, well, how much preparation do we give and bring to the show before we have an amazing show? But there's like 10 times the preparation on the person that's being interviewed. And that's not traditionally what you do on a podcast. You show up, you're yeah, you at this level of mastery and you're just going to wing it. Like we're asking them to go back into 20, 30 years, 40 years of yeah. growth. And I think, but I think that the, the, Short answer to your question is yes, sometimes. If they've seen the show, oops, if they've seen the show, then they understand because transparency begets transparency. So when they see someone else open the kimono and share their life, they're like, oh, that's what it looks like. If they haven't seen the show, then it does take a little bit of work sometimes just explaining to them that it is a private show. It is something that's only live for 48 hours, and then it literally disappears so that they do become comfortable with sharing some of those things that they wouldn't normally share on a regular podcast. Yeah, it's impactful. I mean, you're, you're right. I, you know, at the end of it, and I wonder, has anybody ever regretted doing it? Has everybody ever backed out on you last minute or anything like that? Or have every one of these guys gone through with it? We had one that was going to do it live that changed the show at the last minute. But yeah. every other person, I think we've done 30-something episodes now of it, every other person has been like so glad that they did it. Because as Daniel said, they get to revisit their life, which yeah. most of us don't ever take the time to do. And then, you know, it's the struggle that actually brings the value and the impact to the people that are listening. So when they share their struggles or they share their challenges, and then they get rewarded for that by people saying, thank you so much for, for being transparent. Um, they've, they've, every single one has said that they're really, really pleased that they've, that they've done it. What's the most common feedback you get from those that participate, the guys that are watching? What's the most common aha or takeaway that you've gotten? If you were to kind of distill it down, one, two, three, however many it is, not your takeaway. I want to ask about that next. But what do you hear most from a feedback perspective? That's if there is a theme that's most uh, common for, for seven to eight. I would say there really isn't specific feedback because every person's story is so different. I think the feedback is, is that they're just so grateful to hear the story mm -hmm. because every single one of the people that we've, we've interviewed has their own area of mastery that they've, that they've mastered. And so being able to hear that diversity and, you know, someone who's in multifamily or someone who's a doctor or someone who, you know, and just getting the breadth of how they, how they achieve that, that wealth and that mastery. It's just, they're, they're amazing stories. And so I, I think that for me has been just people saying that show was awesome. That was just, that brought so much value because each one has so many nuggets sure. to take away from it. It's true. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think the takeaway I, I see a lot of the guys that we interview have is, uh, I think the honor and the appreciation of the story that they've built that they haven't taken enough time to really reflect on. Mm. Right? And you see the graph and you see it charted out in a visual sense and you're like, sometimes you see them and that's what I'm looking for when I'm interviewing them and, and I see and I touch a certain point of the graph and I kind of see them go into thought and I'm like, there's something there. 
we got to dive into it. And, and then it just kind of unfolds. Like we had one with Jeremiah where he's like, he recited, we re, he recited his mission statement that he said every single day when he was broke and living in his car and was stacked with debt. And then you saw him light up and I bet he probably hasn't thought of that moment in a decade. Mm. And then, so that in a way, it's almost a gift for these guys to go back and reflect and really honor the growth that they had and look at it in a form of, of a mosaic, right? Where you stand back and you're like, holy shit, man, I built this. Yeah. This is pretty freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. And then it's our job to find those special moments for them that they might not know that is a takeaway for them. And then we, we highlight it on stage. But at the same time, there's a lot of the, 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 the guys that we interview that, that don't do this for a living. They don't do podcasts. This is a, like even Adrian, we're going to interview him tomorrow night. He's never done this before. And so another gift that I feel we give them is we give them their story in a form where like, hey, th this is... This is now your story. You could go present it to the world yeah. as you're connecting with some GoBundance guys mm -hmm. is, is saying this is where my growth was. He's jazzed up. We chatted yesterday in the one-on-one, -on -one, the paired interview, and he's all geeked up, ready to go. So <laughs> it's going to be good. good. It was today, 3.30, I think, right? Tomorrow, 3.30. Tomorrow, 3.30. Yes. Sorry, yes. Tomorrow. Um, for me, I could, I could tell you as an observer, as somebody watching it, it's, it's a constant reminder. And this is, to me, extremely valuable. You know me. All over. To stay the course planted a lot of seeds, right? And I want those seeds to like, let's go, bud, grow. Let's, you know, let's do this. And to watch these guys, because you always see it. You see this, <laughs> this inevitable plodding along, plodding along, plodding along. And then as you call it, the hockey stick, that moment that it shoots up. And for me, it's a reminder, like I'm in plodding along, but I'm a little later to the game in terms of entrepreneurial, entrepreneurism, if that's the word, building wealth. It was all like, go get a job, throw it in your 401k until a few years ago. So to see, okay, these are the seeds that I'm planting. Some people figured it out at 26. I figured it out at 40. It just is. And, and that's very true. And I think the one, one thing that is universal, you, you said you'd get to it, but I'll, I'll jump on it now. No, there, there's it. a couple of like axioms that, that we found that are almost universal. And they are the things that prevent people from building a lot of wealth as well, is that most of these people didn't plant a lot of different kinds of seeds. They planted one seed. They, they found a niche and they went an inch wide and they went a mile deep. Great point. And they stuck with it. And, and that was one of the reasons that we did the show also, because we see people when they start building wealth and they start having money to be able to invest in different things, it's so easy to get that squirrel syndrome or that, that FOMO. And then they start stepping out of their lane instead of just staying in their lane. And so seeing that over and over and over again of all, every single one of these guys, I think, except one, they found their lane and that was it. And I think there's so much value for people as they start to build wealth of figuring out what that lane is and then just, just being laser focused on it. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Uh, uh, the one you guys did with John in particular, this is going seven to eight to nine, yeah. right? This is a guy who's had mass success. He's, he's an older guy at this mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. um, so he's, he's lived and done a lot. Went from teacher all the way up through a nine-figure net worth. But to your point, you know, what, what's, what's Osborne's line? Safe line, aggressive swing. Yes. Right? He stayed in his lane, knew exactly what he's great at, his genius, and then just over time you see this go. I saw him in Detroit, and he made the point. He's like, you got to just keep doing what you're doing. He's like, I can't prevent anymore my net worth from hitting probably a billion dollars at some point. It's just, it's not, I'm not doing anything different. 
stay in the course, and it's just the power of compounding is going to make it happen. Yeah. Whether I'm alive or not, who knows? But the power of compounding will make that happen. You want to say one something? of the beautiful messages that you have. It's like when when they hit this mastery, it's not like they're not working their ass off until they could get it right. Yeah. They're working their ass off until they can't get it wrong. Oh, wow. Is that you were the stash is, talking, man? That was Michael man. Jordan. Fuck. Right. That, that was Michael oh, Jordan. Oh, so it was the stash. Is, which, is ama- which is an amazing thing. And that's what mastery is for these guys. John yeah. can't get it wrong anymore. It's true. Right. And the people around him support that vision and that mission. Brilliant. I love it. For each of you, I'm curious, whether it's in the prep or it's in the production or the show, and I'm going to take one off the table. Can't be Necker. We'll talk about that. Other than Necker, do you have a favorite moment? A favorite, something that just jumps out for either of you that was just inspiring, fun, interesting, either, even if it was the two of you prepping without the guest. At, at any, in any element of seven to eight, since you've been doing it for three years, is there a moment that jumps out? I think the first one that jumps out with me is Michael Hananel's moment when we were doing, we did the interview with him and his wife. I remember that. And everybody yeah. knows Mike's story when he had the big exit in Buffalo, New York. Yep. You're, you're not going to watch, yeah. right? And cashing that eight-figure check, right? And, um, but when we went in and, and there was tears in everybody's eyes on that call, like there was a point, and this was like five years before that exit, where his wife had to go back to work to pay for the bills because he was trying to make this portfolio work. Everybody wants to talk about the exit. But that was a beautiful moment of saying, man, how beautiful is marrying the right person? And, 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 and how beautiful is that story of struggle for, 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 for Mike and his, and his wife? And now they get to share, share this success and this victory, right? That's the first thing that pops into my mind. I think that was probably one of the most impactful moments on any call. You know, and, and my, um, I have two kind of, but yeah, both yeah. same guy. Mike Ayala, when we interviewed Mike Ayala, and his wasn't even about the wealth side of it. He was talking about when they went through a tough time. Because I think that's the thing, too. Every single one of these guys had, like, a rock-bottom moment yeah. where things didn't go well, and they they worked through it. And he was talking about his relationship with his wife, and he said, Kara said to me, as long as one of us is okay, we'll be fine. Mm. Which means that, you know, in a marriage, there's always going to be one person who's struggling. And as long as you're you're committed to it, and that was something that really resonated with me. And then with that moment as well... And this is something that we've, I think, found to be very true with all of the people that we've interviewed is when things go sideways, they do the right thing. And, you know, he had to make arrangements to pay out of his pocket to make people whole. And I think we had that, have had that with a couple of guys where they've gone through and they did the right thing. And then because they did, they re- were rewarded down the road. So just not taking those shortcuts when things go bad and taking ownership of it was, and then just, you know, most of these people have been supported by other people that are there when they're not good. The, uh, the moment that jumps out for me, and maybe I'm a bit biased with this, was Hentiman Live. I forget where. I where that, was that? Man. Uh, that was in Colorado somewhere. Right? Yeah. 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 When Breck- and where? It was Breckenridge. Breckenridge. Yeah. That makes sense. But um, I, I got a front row seat to the guy, obviously, you know, being, being a partner with Quantum with him. But uh, he talked about um, the 90-year-old guy that he was haggling mm. oh, with. That's one of my favorite right? stories. Love yes. It. It, it yes. Just, in summary, it was, um, you know, here he is trying to buy, and there's this 90-year-old guy. Like, you know, there's nothing left for him to prove or do, but he just ran Mark through the ringer negotiating a deal. And Mark was like, I want to be that guy. I just, that little moment, because I see him. He's so 
passionate about mm. multifamily. He's got his writing career, which is significant. He doesn't, I don't think, still to this day, recognize how significant. And then on top of that, he's got this multifamily passion or real estate passion or wealth building passion. So that was cool how you guys kind of, because he's, Mark's a little bit more introverted, right? You drew it out. You really drew things out of him. And that was a really cool moment, I thought. And and I think that's another point too with a lot of these guys is they, they love the game. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily about grabbing the dollar. It's about playing the game and they're playing it for the long term. And that was like to Mark's point was, you know, that guy was 90 years old and it kept him young because he was playing the game still. And Mark was like, I'm, I want to be that guy. The money doesn't matter because once you get to a certain point with the momentum of money, as you said, and Daniel said a little while ago, that you, you money has a compounding power to it and, and you get the momentum of money. And then it becomes a point of just like, okay, I'm playing a game. It's no longer this grind that is who I am. It's just what I do now. And I think that's been really interesting that, that there's a, 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 a mindset shift and a rebirth that happens when they achieve wealth of like, okay, now what? And I've got to figure out because the back's not against the wall anymore. Yeah. You, uh, so Hank and Aaron, that's you. <laughs> uh, got to go to Necker Island, hang out with a multi-billionaire icon named Richard Branson. Not only hang out for a week, but do a seven to eight with him, or seven to twenty, whatever seven that hell he is. Yeah, 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 seven to ten. <laughs> um, give me—I don't know. What was that experience like? So the the story behind that is kind of funny because um, Chris, uh, who was a CEO at the time, we had decided to go to Necker with GoBundance and. You know, it's funny how when you write goals, sometimes you write a goal and then it's not your primary goal. But in in my goals for year before last, I had written interview a billionaire. That was just one of my goals to put the seven to eight was interview a billionaire. And so I was talking to Chris and the words just came out of my mouth. We were talking about something. I said, hey, could we do a seven to eight with uh, Richard Branson? And he said, no. And I remember thinking to myself, that's your first answer. That is not the end. And so then, then him and I talked about it and we just kept asking, kept asking. They, they kept saying no, but they weren't like a definitive no. And literally the Friday before we left, we were supposed to land on Monday. The Friday before we left, Chris called and said, you know, Branson's people gave you guys the go ahead to do the interview with them. Um, so it was it was the story up to it. I'll let Daniel talk about the the interview itself because it was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's a he's a man that uh, was willing to put a, put his life on the, on the line for his his business, and he started with service in a lot of the aspects of it. There's a ton of good lessons. It's bum it's a bummer that we can't like air these episodes for everybody to hear but you know it's was that recorded even or no i recorded it yeah. did you yeah. yeah yeah but we don't you know yeah no, no i was just curious if it even has a, a you know a space that you can go yeah. back and look at it in a couple of years if you wanted to so yeah but that. but i think with i think with the with richard is he went uh he went deep and he was willing um to die on the plane right so he's willing to die for his cause and that was like a special thing and it's also his 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 kryptonite as well, I think, right? Because it could have gone either way. But um, it's hard to not spend time with Richard and walk away inspired with something. Is is there a difference? I mean, obviously his result is different. But you've done all these seven to eight interviews from anybody from eight nine figure net worth now ten figure net worth with Richard. Is there a difference with with? Go ahead. What is the difference that you heard or saw or felt? He is an intuitive entrepreneur. Meaning what? Meaning he would 
be doing something and see an opportunity and be like, that makes sense. Virgin, virgin air, virgin music, all those things kind of happened by accident because he just saw a need and pivoted. So he ran the knife edge of bankruptcy and billionaire for a long time. And there were a number of moments in his life where one decision, I mean, there was one where he just saw a note that one of his partners was passing out to everybody and headed it off at the pass. And if he hadn't seen that note, he would be Richard Branson living in London doing absolutely nothing. And, but most, a lot of the guys, they find a niche and they just stick to it. He was willing to pivot, but he's just very, very intuitive, um, which I think is different than most of the people that we've interviewed. Before you go, what was the note? Are you able to share? Yeah, it was something to the effect of the guy was trying to kick him out. They were just kind of a power struggle. And, and you can read it in, in uh, what, his first book that he wrote. He talks about it. It was this power struggle, and he just went straight to the guy and basically called him on it and kicked him out of the, out of the building and just nipped it right in the bud, where if it had been a day or two later, there was just this cancer that was going through, and it was like this whole overthrow attempt to happen to him yeah. that if he hadn't known about it, would have happened. Interesting. So, Go ahead. Yeah, I think for Richard's interview compared to a lot of other of the seven to eight guests that we have is he was a, he wasn't a, he wasn't a safe line and aggressive swing kind of guy. I, and I, and, and I think the beauty of what I, the gift that I got interviewing Richard is that I got to interview somebody that, that has the story that had le- that lived to see the story. And I kept thinking that there's a lot of Richard Branson's right now that are in the ground that did not survive. And, and so that's why it's so special when you interview somebody like Richard Branson, because he is that story and that person. Um, and we're used to interviewing a lot of the successes that is very, it's not always the same, it's, but, but it rhymes a lot. And there's a lot more successes in the 728. And in the billionaire club, there's a lot of um, not even casualties. There's a lot of fatalities in the chase of that. And we just got to interview somebody that defied that multiple times. You rolled times. double six multiple times, man. Yeah, but how? Times. I'm curious just your perspective. I mean, you guys not only got to interview him, but I know that you study this stuff. You, you, know, you look at the greats and all of that. And I'm, I'm, I'm sort of curious thinking about, you've got seven to eight people who do similar things. You mentioned it, uh, Michael Hananel's wife having to go get a job. You know, I, I, I put that on the brink or razor's edge of bankruptcy like a Richard Branson. And I think about this. I interviewed uh, Sean Casey, who's a, a Major League Baseball player. He was an all-star three times, had a lifetime 300 batting average. Not many guys have done that. And he's, I, I asked him, like, what's the difference between, like, minor leaguer and all-star? And he's like, it's, it's, this mm-hmm. it's it's barely anything and he was saying how he brought a whole bunch of minor leaguers and pros and all-stars to a to a field uh, when he was coaching after his career and had his family watch and they couldn't see the difference so he said then why then will 99% of you not make it and it's all here it's all you know uh, when you fail how it defines you is that the difference is it similar what is no, it I, I think the difference with the billionaires and the Richard Bransons of the world is when they see an opportunity, they go so big. He, he, for Virgin Air, he was leaving Tortola and couldn't find a plane, so he chartered a plane, and then he calls Boeing and convinces them to give him three 747s to start Virgin Air with zero loss out of his pocket, mm. which... Nobody does. Nobody does. Right. And, and I think that they're just so much more willing to take the risk yeah. 
and then they get the reward. And that's why there's so many deaths on that journey is because there's so many people who are like Richard Branson that take the risk that didn't roll the double six. And, and so they end up being... That's why it's so special to interview somebody like Richard Branson because you, you, you got the guy that defied all odds. And he says it, like he's not a very religious man, but he believes that God, the universe, has been watching over him and there's an anointing over him that has... Like he, he's, he flew with, with Tutu and uh, who else? With the, in Iraq, right? Put everything he owned his life on the line to fly, what, 250 hostages out of it? Like, who does that? Wow. Mm-hmm. Like, who does that? Willing to take the risk. Yeah, yeah. Right? So um, you just, you you know, when you're sitting and talking to a gentleman like that, that's defied death a lot. And there was countless stories like that that you're just blown away. Any casual observations off stage, just being around him for the week, anything that you guys saw? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, like, I, I woke up and I was in the gym looking at this beautiful, beautiful view, and I see this guy without a shirt on running on the beach, and I'm like, who is that? I'm like, that's freaking Richard out here in an island at, at his age working on his fitness, and he is fitter than, he was probably fitter than most people on that uh, island. Yeah, so that's, that goes along with mine. So Richard Branson, twice a week, goes to another island, and he has bikes there, and he does this two-hour bike ride around the island, and it is legit. I mean, Daniel and I are both Ironman. We both stay super fit, all of that. And there were 13 people from GoBundance that decided to go on this, all of them really fit. I had to turn myself inside out to beat a 70-year-old man. And I mean, dark place. And there were, on the last climb, there were two of us out of 13 that, that beat him. And he's 70 years old. I mean, most of them were in their 30s and 40s. And, and he is just the fittest human I've ever met at that age by a long ways. And he built the life. And that's, that's kind of the things that, in, one of the things that inspired me was, I want to build a life to where I have the ability to be super fit at 70 years old. Mm. And he, so. Yeah, I think he showed us wealth past, far past what his bank account and his businesses say. He's like wealthy in, uh, in, in my opinion, in his health. Mm-hmm. He's sharp, he's super sharp. And even even in the way he asks questions, he's just curious. He loves people, mm. which was which was. Uh, Got to go to the who, right? He has to go to the who quickly too. And just going back to the wealth building piece, like you think about building virtue. All who he talked about it. Right. What did he say? I'm curious. When you say he talked about it, was that just was it just that? Like it's nothing to do with the how. You got to find the people. Yeah, that's. It was, I think someone asked a question in the audience about about uh, well two two questions that they asked that I, th- I found really interesting one was you know at what point did philanthropy become part of your business plan right because i think with a lot of people building wealth they're like it's all about me it's all about me it's all about me and then then they get to a point and they go oh i can give and he said it was always part of my part of my plan he had a call center when he was broke that was helping helping people in london um and and so, what was the question again? Because I tangented um, on that. Who, just, not how? Was it? Oh, yeah. and then and then he talked about um, the importance of because he is an intuitive our, uh, entrepreneur. He's not a logistics guy. The importance of having and surrounding yourself with people that are just better than you at in everything. Mm. And he does. Do either of you have Richard Branson aspirations for yourself after observing and being around? Not him? Financially, but lifestyle-wise, getting to a place where you can surround yourself with really fit people to help you be healthy and then um, 
just lifestyle. He has a really amazing lifestyle. So I aspire to that yeah. for sure. I don't need, I don't need Necker Island, but to be able to do that would be really cool. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I think success is different for a lot of people and, uh, I see, and just getting to know Richard, um, I think it's it'd be foolish for me to to say I'd be willing to sacrifice what he sacrificed to have what he has. Makes sense. Um, so you no, know, no Pounder Island in the future. No, I mean <laughs> just a bunch of posters of mustaches, <laughs> so, right. robes laying around. No, no it's, what, what was the thing in uh, the grotto at the Playboy Mansion? Right, like multiple grottos oh, yeah. with a mustache. He is the guy in the Jamie. grotto. That is Jamie. I'm not getting off this till it's This gone. is your podcast. I need you to stay focused. <laughs> <laughs> I least, can't. Let's how can recalibrate it. Can we get a clap? How yeah. can anyone stay focused? I'm so like, glad that I'm, I'm, I'm trying not. I'm just keeping my hand over my mouth like. Uh, like yeah. <laughs> every time, just look him in the eye. Is everything, look is everything okay, Daniel? Everything okay? And if you notice, I've just kept eye contact with you because I can't look at him either. So. And if you're with it us tonight, I know. It is hypnotizing. <laughs> you better watch your ladies around me. I, so. Yeah, I don't know about that one, but we'll have to watch something around you. I'm not sure what it is. So what's next for 7 to 8? This feels like book something. I don't know. Is there is there a business around this? You're entrepreneurs, or is it just something that you give to GoBundance and want to kind of keep doing? What's next? I think 7 to 8 is GoBundance. Okay. The stories of the members, uh, David said, GoBundance is a member-led tribe, and this is member stories. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're going to allow that to kind of continue to grow and then unfold how that, it's going to take a life uh, of its own, but um, it is very much part of what GoBundance is. And uh, I think there's lessons that we're learning right now right. that we know that other entrepreneurs um, need to hear, and I know that there's entrepreneurs in the making that will need to hear these lessons as well. So it's a stewardship for us that we have to actually figure out how to put that in a manner that somebody could digest it in the future past us as well. So I think that's something that we have to go in and say, okay, what does that look like? Is it a masterclass? It, it, there's, there's several books. There's probably three books that, um, that is a journey of seven to eight, my opinion. So uh, we're discerning on that still right now. I know that there's Makes a stewardship sense. of it. You I guys think the short answer, well, so. the, yeah. the short answer is yes. I think all of those things are potentially on the table for, yeah. for seven to eight. Um, it's just trying to figure out how to, you know, reach the people that the purpose of seven to eight was built around sure. and be able to continue to give value and help them. We're doing a, a seven to eight mastermind for the first time of meeting with entrepreneurs and having an event where just one trip, just one trip where we go through and just have them um, look at their personal financial statements and, and help them map out what that, that journey looks like. So there's, there's possibilities definitely for sure down the road nice, with it. Nice. So you're, you're getting to people to go from seven to eight as opposed yes. to, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Um, we're at this event. I'd be remiss if I didn't check in with both of you as far as you've been to know, dozens of events at this point. Right? I mean, a lot of events, multiple a year. What do you, what if somebody new to GoBundance that's here or whatever, like what do you, what's your, either, either can go, what do you do at these events? Like what is the, the magic of being at these events? Is it just being here or are there some things that you found are the most effective ways to get sort of, to like maximize the time on the ground, if you will? I think uh, personally, um, it's different for us now, right? But um, I think if, if, if we started in Tahoe, so it's cool that we're back in yeah. Tahoe. 
you know, seven, eight years later, which is, which is really neat. But I think if you're a new person in GoBundance, um, it's not about, um, it's about just asking questions and listening, right? A lot of it is you're being exposed to a bunch of different st- stories and a bunch of different ways to, um, to build wealth. And that's the beauty of it. And it's, it's not like it's, you know, it's not what you could come in and, and what can I get out of, out of, out of, abundance but at the same time as what what can i come in and contribute you know as a as a led member led uh tribe and so i i come in when i come and i'm coming i'm like i want to know one or two more people and just get to know their stories and just ask questions and then listen 90 percent of the time yeah for me i think the power is um there's the power of the network. So you're surrounding yourself and you're with 200, 200 other entrepreneurial millionaires who have mastery in a bunch of different areas of their life. So I think that there is the connections and the ability to solve problems. Whatever problem you have, there's somebody who knows somebody that has mastery in that field. So I think there's a ton of value in that. Um, the the perspective and the accountability that comes from one of the things that we do in GoBundance is what's called a one sheet. It's like your baseball card of your your net worth and then all of your goals as well. And that's one of the most powerful things that happen is you sit at a table with three or four other guys, you share your goals in a very transparent way, and then they have permission to help you become a better person by poking the holes in your goals or your statements or, you know, all the other areas of your life. If you say you're a a six in romance, but none of your goals talk about your wife, there's someone that's going to give you that perspective and, and say, why aren't, why are there no goals about that? And I think that's one of the most powerful things is when you have a place where you can be transparent and that you are championed, encouraged, and challenged at the same time. And that's what happens at these events is that, all of those things happen while you're here. Yeah, I did a reverse interview on this podcast. So Grant Warrington interviewed me, and I just talked about my journey, you know, quitting the job thing, all that stuff that I've kind of become known for. But uh, in talking about GoBundance, I referenced both your names. You can go back and listen, go to the tape. But seriously, like that's exactly it. I, yesterday we did the, the one-to-one, the paired interview. Mm. And, and that question, I forget what it was, like, what do you hope to get from this event? And I think early on I probably answered that, like, this, I need 10 new contacts, or I need to learn about this, or whatever it might be. Where now I'm like, I, nothing, because I've learned so much from watching you guys and others that have come you know, before me, if you will, or have been around a long time. Like, the get is in the give, right? Like, it's what can I contribute? And that shit just rolls back. It just does. Not like, okay, I helped Daniel. Now Daniel's going to help me, not transactionally, but more universally, if you will. So appreciate your influence on that, both yeah, of you yeah. and that. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> he pointed at his mustache again for those that are listening to the podcast. You got to be on YouTube. There's got to be an angle. We have we have four cameras. There's me, there's Aaron, there's Daniel, and then there's a You just wanted it, it would be nice if, if multidimensional. He was able to just zoom in just on the mustache. Come right in twitching it. around while he talks. Stories from the stash. Have you heard of Tales from the Crypt? <laughs> right, Tales from the stash. Stories from the stash. If you look at it, tell me it's not hairy legs doing a split. I <laughs> got stuck. That's what it is. That's all. <laughs> uh, Aaron, how do we uh, how do we people learn more about you? What you're doing out there? Where do you want people to follow you? You know, you can follow me on Instagram. It's uh, at the Aaron A A R O N dot West is probably the easiest way to do it. Nobody, somebody else had the no dot the Aaron West. Someone else had the Aaron West already. So put a I haven't out on found that person Jesus. yet, but I will. It's very specific. How about you, Daniel? I mean, I think Instagram is what all the cool kids are doing. 
Um, the so, ones at 40 and up. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah I also operate a real estate team in California. So I'm not a secret agent. You can Google me and you'll find me. But the best way to plug in is just get connected to GoBundance. Yeah. Come in, connect. We're, Aaron and I are here all the time. Yeah, GoBundance.com. I say it every episode. You can apply for any level of membership there. So I completely agree with that. So, guys, I appreciate you coming in, taking some time from the event, and always happy to share your wisdom from all three of you. I appreciate you. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, truly love it. We'll see you next time. Oh, I love that thing. Dude, God, I love it's it. so pretty. It's so pretty. It's it's its own person. It's funny because people like you look at people's eyes and you're like, you know, you know, it's like you're like, oh, well, don't look at the lazy eye. Don't look at the lazy eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I walk in and I just watch people's reaction. It's like it's like cleavage, right? It's like I'm a chick. I'm wearing cleavage on my face. That's you pretty are. awesome. I know what it no, feels no, like dude. to be a woman. It's like cleavage a, face. Like, no, no, no. Like it's people like are not trying not to look to like to show you something. It's like a butt crack on a plumber, dude. It's like a butt crack on a plumber. It's lazy not eye. cleavage. That's a good point because cleavage would be like walking into the into the kitchen and the guy has his pants halfway pulled down and you just can't take your eyes off. Cleavage is admiration. So nice job trying to do that. I know you butt like crack it. is disgust. Like that is way more aligned with that thing, <laughs> that thing that walked in with you. It should have its own like sound. Oh man, I'm telling you, man. Unbelievable. So we need stash cam. Right? I know we need to. We need right? somebody. I need a documentary right here. crew following like me a around. GoPro See right on the top we, of the microphone. What the response, <laughs> the, the response would be. You're not doing me any favor. Oh my God! I, this is going to juice favors. the YouTube view. So that's I a know, good. You got to follow him on Instagram just so you can this. see the stash yeah, behind the stash, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. The, so I have an alter ego that I used to. I only grew a mustache when I raced, and that was my my alter ego was like mustache racer. I'd that's say. why you always lost? That's why I always lost. <laughs> that's you, why I always kicked your ass. Did you say why we have it? I don't remember. Why do we have this? You know what? I think, honestly, I asked myself the question, like, why the hell do I have a mustache? Yeah, like I've I, asked that question. Every so, human being that so has no, ever come so in contact we, with you is asking we, that question. We, we, we did. I started when we bought the house in Cabo. So we went to Cabo, and we're like, you know what? I'm, I'm in Mexico. I got my Mexican citizenship. We bought a home in Mexico. I'm going to grow a mustache. And then, and then what happens, like, I'm out of sales now, right? So I'm out of production. So I'm not meeting with people. And in a way, it's like, no, it's like, it's a way like for me to fully in honor the fact that, look, you can do what you want. I could do whatever the fuck I want now. But why would you want to do that? <laughs> because it's the one thing that he shouldn't do. That's the one thing I uh, shouldn't do, man. You know, it was either that or tattoos. That's my word. I'm, I don't know if I told, that's my word for entrepreneurship that makes me feel like I belong is defiance. Does that make sense? Like yeah. when I think about, okay, I'm leaving a job and I'm going to go do this thing on my own, these things on my own, you know, whatever I'm, I'm doing. It's like, all right, but can I call myself an entrepreneur? Cause I'm not, I'm not you guys, right? Like you early on, right? And it, the stories of like, I started a lawn care business and this, you've always had an entrepreneurial mind. But when I, what I, the one trait that I fucking embody and I see in you, Osborne, Hyben or whatever is defiance. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I'm actually starting to warm up to the stash because if it's out of defiance, it is. I'm a stubborn mf. That's my word. To my wife and I'm like, I, the more people tell me to shit. warming up to the stash. It. You're not. You're not defiant at all, dude. <laughs> you can't warm up to the stash. No, nothing. What a good way to end the episode. No one could warm right up here. To that thing's got to play all the way through oh, till yeah, the end. Yeah. Right I now. I agree. I agree. <laughs> we got to have it all out there.